This is episode 345, How to Get the Men in Your Life to Be Less Rigid with Danielle. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for joining. Always appreciate when you leave a rating and review of the show wherever you listen to this show. I think I've said show like four times. <laughs> the ratings and reviews help boost the show. It helps inform people about the show, and it means a lot to me personally. So head on over to do that. It just takes a second to leave a rating and maybe a few seconds to leave a review. Got a great episode for you today about how to get the men, but be it your husband, partner, brother, or sons, to be a little less rigid, to be more emotionally available, to heighten their EQ. And this is not to say that all men are rigid, that men have a lower EQ, not saying any of those things. And a lot of men and boys and people who identify as masculine have been conditioned to suppress, have been conditioned to be less emotional, have been conditioned that their value isn't so much of the security they can provide, the money they can provide. So oftentimes that emotional connection, that ability to be in their heart, that ability to to trust, to be in faith, to have more of a connection with their feminine side is difficult because there's been so much attention on the other. So in today's episode, I coach Danielle about how to work with her husband to maybe be a little less rigid, a little less controlling when it comes to her sons and when it comes to her and how to get her sons to emotionally express a little more. And again, when I talk about masculine, feminine, men, women, I am making some generalizations based on what I've seen in my nearly 18 years of coaching and my 40-something years of being a human. And we all, no matter how we identify, no matter what kind of sexual orientation we have, we all have masculine and feminine qualities inside of us. So I hope that you find this episode very useful when it comes to communicating with someone, a man, a boy, or really anyone who may have more of that controlling, rigid personality structure. Are you in a relationship right now and you would like to make it better? Maybe it's already great and you want to make it better, or maybe it's at a point where it is just falling apart and you're like, how do we save this? Or it's just, it's not that it's that bad, but it's not really that good either. And you want to bring the spark back. Well, Steph and I get asked about relationship stuff all the time. Our relationship is one of our biggest accomplishments. It's something we're so proud of. It's something we continually invest in. And we did a lot of study. We did a lot of work around what makes a relationship work. And we took everything that we know from our own experience, from our own training, from our own counseling sessions, and from our relationship and put it into a relationship course. And you can take it at any time. It's full of coaching, experiential processes, lots of information that is gonna help you have a better relationship. And we're offering $50 off just for my podcast listeners. So if you wanna get this course, just go to christinehasler.com slash relationship course. Check it out. You can watch a video from us. Go to the checkout page, enter the promo code over it, and you get $50 off. 
The couples we took through this course had such incredible results. It really brought the zest back to their relationship. And even if you're not in a relationship, but you really want to prepare yourself, you want to learn relationship skills, this course could be great for you as well. So again, christinehauser.com slash relationship course. So as you're listening to this show, consider, do you find that there's someone in your life, a partner, your sons, a man, whoever, who is controlling and you wish that they would be a little bit more intuitive, a little bit more emotionally available? Do you find it's hard to set boundaries with someone who is so structured and so set in their ways? Is it often hard for you to have compassion for your partner or even your children because you're so frustrated by what they're doing? And finally, are you willing to see the little child inside, the people that you love the most, especially the adults you love the most, and have compassion for why they act and respond in the way that they do? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Danielle. Danielle, welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, Christine. It's uh, such an honor to be coached by you. And uh, my my question is really around parenting. Mm -hmm. Uh, To give you a little backstory, I've got uh, with my husband, we have three boys. One is out of the house at college but we have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old at home. Mm -hmm. We're also both active duty military. And over the course of the past 10 years, we've built a number of homes, which we now rent out and manage. So needless to say, our lives are pretty busy and Mm -hmm. often stressful. So over the years, I've learned that I needed to establish some boundaries to help protect myself from burnout And as the boys are getting older, I'm starting to find that I'm enforcing the same boundaries on their behalf. And this creates friction between me and my husband because, you know, I try not to say anything in front of the kids. But when I do bring it up or even bring it up privately, uh, he, he feels like I'm really undermining his role as a dad and in a sense, turning the kids against him and or, you know, forcing him into a position of being a bad guy. So my question is, how do I enforce these boundaries that I feel are so important while still respecting his role as a dad? Yeah. Can you give me an example of a boundary that you want to reinforce? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel that that one of the boundaries that's really important is to teach them dominion over their own bodies, you know, making decisions and they know best what's what's right for their body. So, for example, if we're on a family field trip, uh, we'll pull over to rest stop and he insists that they go try and use the bathroom, which, you know, and they'll even if they're adamant that they don't have to. And it kind of, you know, it just makes me feel like, you know, he doesn't trust them to trust their own body. Mm. And I can mentally understand where he's coming from, not wanting to have to pull over 15 or 20 minutes later. Sure. You know, when they suddenly realize they had to go. But in the moment, I think it just feels like a violation of a boundary. Okay. Okay. And when you talk to him about that, what is his response? That he just doesn't want to pull over multiple times? <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. But it's it's also that, you know, he feels I'm probably too lax, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not the disciplinarian and more hands off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whereas my perspective is that I'm teaching them to be more independent and, and trust themselves and their, and their decisions. Yeah. 
And other than parenting, do your husband and you have butt heads or differing opinions in other aspects of life? We do. We, he tends to be pretty ambitious, high energy, persuasive, and, whereas I'm more the passive one. And so most of the time, I'm, I, I tend to yield if it's something he feels strongly about. But there mm-hmm. are some times where I just put my foot down and, and parenting is one of those areas because I feel like I've, I've worked really hard to be the best parent I can by taking classes, by doing research, by pursuing counseling and, and really working hard at it. And so I, I feel like I, I should be trusted, you know, in that area. Right. Right. I totally agree with you. So your husband, I mean, you mentioned you both are active due to military and I'm just wondering how rigid is he just personality wise? He's, he's pretty rigid. Mm -hmm. He's pretty rigid. He's, you know, a a career army engineer, you know, uh, and, and I, he grew up without, um, much of a father figure. And so he had to kind of grow up pretty fast and take care of himself. And it's, you know, it's done him well through all those years, but I think it, it makes it hard for him also to, to sometimes see other perspectives. This sounds like a parenting conversation and also a relationship conversation in some ways, and really looking at truly understanding where your husband's coming from, because he sounds like he's got a lot of conditioning around control, right? And so if we look at sort of disagreement in parenting, it's you want to give your kids a little more sovereignty and he wants to have a, to have a little bit more control because that's what makes him feel safe. And that's probably what he thinks is going to raise good boys. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. I think he, he, he expects respect and, and discipline, you know, and I'm probably not as strict about that. Right. Have you ever asked him in 20, 30 years, how do you want your sons to talk about you? Not necessarily that specific question. You know, I know he thinks a lot about the legacy he leaves and and that's why it's so important for him to build these homes, you know, be successful, leave financial benefits. Right. You you know, but I, I often ask that same question. I want them to grow up feeling loved and to remember how they felt growing up. Yes. And often if we speak in generalizations, often men are more concerned with the providing and protecting and financial security and legacy. And that's wonderful. That's nice. It's, it's definitely easier for a child to grow up having needs met and not struggle. But uh, the emotional development is just as important, if not more. And so I think what you're seeing as a concerned mother is, I don't want my boys to feel like they grew up with a sergeant. I want them to feel like they had a dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. And and I've seen the implications of the busy lifestyle. I mean, I I can't directly correlate it, but both of them are diagnosed as ADHD or ADD, Mm -hmm. you know, which, and and so the best I can do to try and counter that is have a routine, have a structure, but also have downtime and just time to relax. Well, and also, and this is your intuition, also teaching them their own autonomy and sovereignty. Like if you say you don't have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to go to the bathroom, right? That, that type of thing. And so I really get it. And I'm not siding with you. I'm just affirming some of your mother's intuition here is spot on. 
but it's like, how do we, how do we not have that conflict with husband? And how does he start to see that he can back off some of the control and it's going to be okay? What was his relationship with his father like? His dad had some mental health issues. And so his mom and dad got divorced when he was pretty young. And he had just a very basic relationship with his dad. And then his mom remarried and stepdad came in, but was very, very strict and tough on the kids, mm-hmm. you know, and each of the kids, you know, there were, there were eight of them, each of them kind of handled it in their own way. You know, my husband feels like it kind of made him stronger, almost forged him in the fire, but the others, you know, each, each handled it differently. Right. Right. And just, and you know, whenever someone says something made me stronger, my eyebrow always goes up and goes, hmm, what does stronger really mean? Does that mean you put more walls up around your heart and push through? Because that's what it usually means. It means I shut down my emotional self to protect myself and went into my head and became more controlling. That's usually what stronger means. Stronger usually doesn't mean I you know, have the courage to be vulnerable, to seek help, to dig deep into my wounds, to break generational patterns and transform my experience. It's usually not what people mean when they say stronger. So my suggestion would be, and I know you're really busy and I know you have two kids, but my suggestion would be to carve some time out with him. And I don't know if you'd be open to this conversation, but to really ask him, what do you wish would have been different about your relationship with your father? What do you wish you had as a son that you didn't have? And see if you can really use a lot of your feminine superpower and your intuition and your compassion to gradually over time help him maybe see that, man, I think I would have liked a little bit more emotional availability. I think I would have liked not feeling like someone was so hard on me. I think I would have liked more connection. And again, I'm putting words in his mouth, but can you see that? And I'm sure you already know this, but we're just bringing it to the present that your husband has a, he's he's got a father wound Hmm. and he's doing the best he can to be a father. But a lot of times when men have a father wound, they really doubt their ability to be a father. And so they overemphasize the one thing that they think they're good at. And he probably thinks he's really good at structure and making money, structure and providing. So he overtips in that department because he probably feels a little insecure on the emotional, feely, affection-based department. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes 100% sense. Yeah. 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 So what's coming up for you as I share all this? It's a challenge because I, I know that I am triggering him then when I question his actions, you know, he, he's, he's certainly doing much better than his father or his stepfather. And he's a very hands-on dad, you know, involved. So, you know, I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, but, but I do feel that we can always grow and it's sort of, I'm just trying to think, you know, how can I encourage that growth in somebody else. <laughs> it seems like yeah. it has to be intrinsic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think questions and curiosity are a great way to do it. I think really complimenting him and acknowledging him when he does do more of the emotional stuff and more of the availability stuff. I think not, you know, 
telling him he's doing something wrong or differently than you would isn't really helping the situation, right? Because we already know he's probably got some insecurity when it comes to being a father. He probably doubts himself a little bit because he didn't really have that. Yeah. And I know that when he does respond emotionally to the boys, I mean, they, they really respond to that, you know, and they, they love that. So, uh, you know, I think me encouraging that, uh, would, would definitely help matters. Yes. Asking him questions, having those, you know, heartfelt conversations with him, telling him what a great dad he is saying things like with the bathroom example, you know, I trust your fathering and I understand that, you know, you don't want to stop and they're seven and nine. And oftentimes we have to, you know, make them go to the bathroom and then they'll see they do have to go because they're still learning about their bodies. And do you think it could be important for them to start to, you know, learn things on their own, fall on their face a couple of times, not have us, us, not, not just you, husband, I mean, include yourself in there. So he doesn't feel defensive, not have us, you know, manage them so much. Do you think that actually could help them really find their own way and see if you can phrase how you're talking about things in a way where he doesn't feel attacked because anytime, you know, in most relationships, especially most marriages, and there's a great book called I think it's called How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. And one of the principles of the book is that what men fear the most and resist the most in relationship is shame and judgment. And what women fear and resist the most is not feeling safe. And so anytime a woman doesn't feel safe, we shut down or lash out. You know, we pull away or we have our, we, we, that's what rattles our nervous system. And for men, whenever they feel judged, that's when they withdraw. That's when they pull away. That's when the walls go up. That's when they can't hear us. So I think for you, and you come across as a very loving, non-judgmental person, but I'm sure in the heat of the moment, sometimes, you know, it could come across as you judging him or you telling him he's doing it wrong or that your way is better. And all that's going to do is shut him down and make him not hear you and make him cling on to what he thinks is right even more. And I know you know this, I'm just rearticulating it for you. So your work and in any of these conversations, it's always like, why am I the one that has to do the more conscious work? It's like, well, you're the one I'm on the phone with. (laughs) So your work is to know that you have in your husband, you also have a tender little boy. And you know, from raising three boys, that boys are very sensitive they're very sensitive, yes. Yes. super sensitive. <laughs> and I've seen it. I have three nephews. I've seen my friend's kids. I often think girls have a tougher skin than boys. And again, generalization here, but in my anecdotal research, that's what I've seen. And we've, you've got a little, you've got a little guy in there who's super sensitive about wanting to do it better than his father, never really having a good model feeling like control is the best way he keeps everything in order, tons of pressure to provide. But the little boy in there also is looking for a father. So in him parenting his kids, he's also trying to parent himself. And the best way he knows how to parent himself is through more of this rigidity and control. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. And I think what makes it so difficult for me to 
handle it objectively and compassionately is because the the same triggers that I are saying, you know, the same uh, boundaries I'm enforcing in for the kids are my boundaries as well. So mm. I'm getting triggered at the same time. So I, I sort of lose that ability sometimes to uh, really think about the best way through mm-hmm. it and kind of just respond immediately. Mm-hmm. Meaning you don't want to feel controlled or too bossed around or too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And I think these are conversations that you can have with him. Like I understand your highest intention in this. Like I understand this is coming from a place of love, but are you open to hearing how it lands inside of me? Hmm. Again, not attacking, but just sharing in that vulnerability because men can hear us better when we're vulnerable and when we're not defensive. Anytime I come at my husband with a, you're doing it wrong energy um, or judgment, it's immediate shutdown or push away or aggressive, not like violent aggressive, but defensive. That's a better word. So this is an opportunity for you to, you know, learn how to speak your needs and speak up for yourself in a empowered way that doesn't come across judgmental. Because a lot of times when we don't feel safe or when we feel controlled or triggered or whatever, it's really hard not to come across judgmental or not to just withdraw, withdraw our love, right? Not just to pull away. And so your, um, your opportunity here is to really lean into that vulnerability because the more vulnerable you are with him, the less judged she's going to feel. And the more he's going to feel connected to you as well, because you're gifting him with that vulnerability. And the more he's going to start to learn that like these emotional conversations are safe. Yes. No, I, I love that. And, you know, I've, I've often wondered how can I teach that same empowerment to my boys? You know, I, I want them to not necessarily stand up to their dad, you know, but I want them to stand up for themselves in a right. respectful way. And so I'm trying to do that through example. Um, but do you have any other suggestions for how I might explain that to them or, or you know, show that to them? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think saying that exact thing to your husband is really important and enrolling him in that. Like, how can we together teach them how to use their voice, stand up for what they need, ask for what they need um, in a, you know, kind way, in a um, non-triggered way um, so that they're confident, so that they don't grow up either overly compliant or overly aggressive. Because when kids aren't raised with the ability to have their own autonomy and sovereignty and speak up for themselves, it goes one of two ways. They become overly compliant or and get pushed around or overly aggressive because they're trying to get their power back in some way, shape, or form. So I think with your kids, well, let's see if we can give an example. Can you think of an example of, of something that they do or don't do and you wish they would speak up more or be a little bit more empowered? For, for example, with what they are learning about at school or problems they're having with their friends, I think they just sometimes don't, don't share it because they think we're either too busy to hear it or, you know, we'll just kind of, uh, come at it with a kind of an answer they don't want to hear, maybe a non-compassionate, mm-hmm. you know, telling what they need to do to fix it mm-hmm. instead of just a listening ear. 
So mm-hmm. I want them to feel comfortable in opening up to us and, right. and crying in front of us and showing that emotion. Right. So I have a totally silly thing that's dropping in and you can completely write this off, but you have three boys. So I imagine that there's some farts that happen in your house from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe you've heard me talk about this, but my husband and I have an expression with farts that better out than in. It's not good to hold in gas. It's not good for your belly. It's not good for your digestion. And although it might be uncomfortable and a little stinky, it's so much better out than in. And so we also have things called barts and jarts. Like when we have a a, a brain fart, like something that's on our mind or a judgment that we want to get out and we'll go to each other and be like, I have a Bart or I have a jar, you know, and it's been a great <laughs> way to reinforce this better out than in. So maybe kind of a fun way to talk to them about it is say, Hey boys, you know how like we fart, like everybody farts, we fart and it's better out than in. Well, sometimes it's like, not even sometimes it's like that with our feelings too. And what happens during the day. And we just want you to know, just like you can fart in the house and it's a safe space for you to do that. And you're not going to be teased and you're not going to be judged for it. You can have barts or whatever you want to call it. You can come up with your way and just say, it's so much better out than in, you know, anything that happens at school, we're never too busy. You, you can say this stuff and we're just really here to listen. I mean, do you think that approach might work with them? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I think they would, uh, I think they think it's funny and kind of an, a good way to transition into those conversations. Good, good. And you can call it a Bart. You can call it a, a tart, like a thought fart. You can come up with a funny name with it. Um, or if it's a more tender thing, you can call it something else. And they can just come to you and say, mom or dad, I have a Bart. And then, you know, and that's a cue to both you and your husband. And you can even come up with like, um, a kind of a procedure. And then the question could be, okay, I hear you have a Bart. Do you want me just to listen? Do you want any feedback? And that's another way you really empower their sovereignty and, empower, and and autonomy. And I think you could really enroll your husband in that too, because it will give him, since he's a little more uncomfortable with the emotional stuff, it will give him some structure and how to deal with it. And he'll know. So he doesn't feel like he has to jump in and give advice or he has to fix it. Like he can really ask your boys like, okay, great. Do you want me just to listen? Would you like a hug? Do you want any advice? What do you need right now? And that's a really good way because as much as bodily autonomy is important, so is emotional autonomy and sovereignty. And I think that would be a good place for him to practice that. What do you think? Yes, I, I cannot wait to try that. I think, I think that's a really good approach. Okay, great. So with husband, it's being more curious, more compassionate, asking him a little bit more questions. Know you have a tender little boy in there. When you want him to behave differently, see if you can approach it in a way that doesn't make him defensive, you know, really help him like see his behavior in a way that isn't going to make him defensive. And when it comes to your own boundaries, really come with vulnerability. You know, when this happens, this is how I feel. And this is my request instead. And that would make me feel X, Y, Z so that he doesn't feel wrong. Because anytime he feels like he's getting it wrong or doing it wrong, it triggers his little boy wounding and it triggers his fear that he's not going to be a good father. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way you've described that gives me a a whole new compassion for him and where Mm -hmm. he's coming from. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we have compassion, we know where someone's coming from, our ability to respond really improves because we're not so frustrated. Yes. Yes. More, more curious and compassionate. Yes. Does this help? It totally helps. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been weighing on my heart and I feel like I have a way forward now. Thank you, Danielle, for bringing this forward, because I think a lot of us can relate to, well, having parenting difference, just having differences in the way we see the world, what we think is right, so on and so forth. I think we're seeing that more and more in the world, that there just seems to be so much division. And so anytime we can heal division in our own home, in our own family, separateness of opinions, divisiveness, judgment, anytime we can do that healing at home, oh my gosh that has a ripple effect elsewhere. So in a time when there seems to be so much division in the world and not a lot of unity and a lot of judgment and a lot of finger pointing and a lot of saying, my way is right and your way is wrong. If you're doing any of that in your home or inside yourself, I encourage you to start to shift it. So collectively we can start to shift it. So I said a lot in this episode, not too much to break down. I just want to come back to the point of When we're, you know, butting heads with someone, trying to get them to see our side of it is never going to work. If, if it would work, then we wouldn't be butting heads with them. So it's really about having curiosity and compassion for their model of the world, the way they see things. And you could see that Danielle softened and she shifted and she was able to, even be more coachable. She wasn't resistant to coaching, but she, her mind even opened more when I talked to her about his little boy and his insecurity as a father and that this controlling, rigid, more military-esque behavior is coming from a place of insecurity, is coming from a place of not feeling like he's a good enough father, not having a good role model, leaning on the things that he thinks he's best at, you know, he was probably successful in the military. He's a successful businessman. He's successful at structure. And so he's leaning on those things instead of leaning into the areas where he feels a little more insecure that his wife and his kids need more of. And that's something we all do in relationships. I, even to, to make it simple, think of the five love languages. I think a lot of you probably are familiar with the five love languages. If you aren't, you can Google the five love languages. Take the quiz, find out what yours are. But basically, it's the way you like to receive love, and it can be in the form of gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, or affection. And we tend to love in the way that we like to be loved. So my love language is acts of service. If The fastest way into my heart is to <laughs> run an errand or do a chore for me, and or just take care of hand- handling something. And I tend to love that way. Like, I'm not the best gift giver. I'd rather do something for you, take you on an adventure, than buy you things because I'm just not a gift person. And so I've had to learn that there's certain people in my life that acts of service is not their love language. And I have to learn how to love them in the way that they need to be loved versus how loving comes easily to me. So coming back to Danielle and her husband, he's quote unquote loving and caring for his wife and his children in the best way that he's been able to care for himself. And 
with his childhood and the chaos he probably grew up with, having a lot of structure, control, and certainty was one of the things that made him feel safe. So that's how he's loving. So his opportunity is really to learn how to love in the way his wife and kids need it. And that's not something Danielle can just directly say to him, but she can be curious. She can ask him questions. What did you really want from your father or stepfather? What did you not get as a boy that you really wanted? How do you want your sons to talk about you in 30 years? These are all really great questions. And the more she models compassion and nurturing and sees that little boy inside, the more receptive he'll be to her feedback. The reason why Steph is, is receptive to my feedback and my coaching when I give it to him is because most of the time I do a really good job of not judging him. Now in my head I might <laughs> from time to time, but I quickly shift it and with him he feels compassion. And I'm not faking it. I just notice I'm judging. I forgive myself for judging. I see his little boy and I go into compassion. And I know that we are not the same person and he doesn't make decisions and live his life the way I do. And most of our judgment comes from projecting the way we would do something onto someone else. So for Danielle, the more she sees her little boy, the more loving she is, the more vulnerable she is with his requests, the more receptive he will be. And I hope you enjoyed the funny example, especially those of you who live with a lot of boys. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the funny example of farts and barts as a great way to teach your kid, hey, better out than in, and really create that safe space for them and empower them. You know, one of the best questions we can ask our kids is, what do you need? What would you like from me? And if that's too hard of a question, if they're too little, you can give them some choices rather than just assuming. Because I think as parents, oftentimes we assume we know best for our kids, but there comes a certain age where maybe we don't. And the best thing we can do is ask them and trust that they know best for themselves. All right, everybody, that is the show for today. Thank you for listening. So much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Bye.